Welcome to another Tree Seal podcast. Today, I'm really pleased that we have been joined with a guest, Alan Luck. He is uh, one of our colleagues, uh, where John, Jerry, and I were, uh, we used to work together at American Express Bank. So I'll ask Alan to introduce himself shortly. But for those who have just listened to the podcast the first time, my name is James Chu. I'm the head of investment solution at Tree Seal Investment Advisors. Uh, joining me today, in addition to Alan, we'll have John Cavalli, our chief economist, and Jerry Salaya, our chief strategist. So Alan, can you just briefly introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone. I'm Alan. Before I um, joined American Express Bank and become, uh, became college of, uh, with uh, the group, I was a bond trader for nearly uh, 15 years. Mm. And after I uh, left uh, American Express Bank, I worked for Hang Seng Bank, which is a uh, a local, I think, a bank within the HSBC group, and I was the head of private banking for uh, 11 years. Okay, and now I'm starting on my own uh, asset management business. Yeah, excellent. So, Ali is based in Hong Kong, and I think that today's podcast we want to talk about China in 2023, and we think it's a good idea. In addition to us uh, ourselves, uh, we want to introduce someone who's on the ground. Uh, in Hong Kong, seeing everything in action. That's why we, uh, uh, we're pleased that uh, uh, Alan can join us. Thank you for your sparing time. So I think we'll just go into straight into the first question. I think this is one of the main things that we have all in our mind because uh, since the, uh, December, China seems to have changed its COVID policy and it seems to be quite sudden. Uh, some people call it a U-turn, uh, but why do you think the government has made this change? I think other you're on the ground, you may be suitable to provide an insight for us. Yeah, um, thanks, I think, uh, James. Um, I agree, I think, with the uh, will that is a sudden U-turn of the uh, COVID policy uh, imposed in China. Uh, because I think uh, if all remembers, I think the President Xi uh, also enforced his message here, the COVID zero tolerance policy. Uh, early in December, and after that, I think it's a really a sudden U-turn. And before that, I think um, probably uh, most of uh, you uh, uh, heard about the uh, uh, economic, I think, uh, condition in China is getting worse and worse. And also some protests, I think, uh, on in the street of main city, I think, are uh, calling for a change uh, mm. of the government's I mean, policy. And that, I think, is really uh, uh, put uh, quite a... Uh, uh, I would say a significant pressures, I think, on the uh, both the essential and also the local governments. How to, I think, react, I think, to the um, the, the uh, angry attitude of the mass, I think, uh, in, on the street. Okay, and I think if there's no, I think, um, all of that, what we call the political pressure, I think um, the um, China after they have the so-called the uh, People Congress, I think, um, held in uh, the late October uh, last year. And then President Xi secured his uh, his position for another five years. Okay, and the political I think uh, subject has been um, competed, and then we all looking forward I think to that they put the focus on the economic I think um, improvement mm. I think on 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 China. So I think that I think is the market expectation. But unfortunately, I think it vanished I think in the end of October because of it, the uh, COVID zero tolerance policy. Okay, uh, and now I think it's really I think a matter of time. I think that they really I think change um, after maybe they heard from uh, from the voice I think on the street or they really I think is hit the I think uh, the 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 hurdle that they have to change. Otherwise, I think they will create 
another, I think, uh, mass situation in China, which I think no, uh, they cannot afford. Yeah. I see. So if I understand, basically, that it seems to be driven more partly maybe a protest, but more because of a change of mind or focus uh, in, ter- in terms from securing presidency's term, uh, which is secure now in November, now to look at the economic side. So it seems to be good, but obviously uh, what we have heard afterwards is that this change in policy have triggered another round of infections with China not being very forthcoming with the data, etc. And you know that uh, after, uh, after recent days, they said they will start to uh, countries like US, uh, uh, UK, uh, Japan, start some restrictions in terms of test requirements for people going out uh, from China. So uh, it seems that China is not well prepared. Uh, what do you think, Alan? Do you think it is a fair comment or is probably Western typical propaganda against China? I think one of the major concerns that most of the overseas investors, even including I think us uh, as uh, located in Hong Kong or even I think for, for those I think inside uh, in mainland China, uh, the, the major risk I think is the all the policy I think of China, no matter is uh, from the uh, political or economic uh, pers- perspective, is all top down. And it's mm. not transparent enough, okay? And that is the major risk, I think, that uh, uh, the market eat up, uh, I think, uh, uh, in uh, 20, uh, 2021 and 2022 particularly. Because last year, I would say, is a year of, I think, uh, 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 highlighted by the investor, I think, uh, uh, exit from the China market. I think, mm. and, and, and the risk, and the, and the premium, I think, that they put on the uh, so-called, the maybe the tech stock, like the Tencent, Alibaba, or Jingdong or the uh, Meijun, they all vanish. I think this premium, okay, and that I think will put a quite uh, a ugly pictures. I think on the uh, uh, Hang Index and also the Asia market in wow. 2022. Okay, mm-hmm. and now I think is we we uh, we we, we, uh, in, uh, we are facing another situation right now. Is the worst in China um, may be gone. Okay, and now the confidence level is not show up. I think to a very uh, I would say uh, I, a satisfactory level, okay. But the reality, I think, is that we have a, a, a list on our hand and we try to take take out all the, I think, so-called the negative one. And now it seems the negative one is uh, become less and less, okay. Mm-hmm. So no matter, I think, we are confident enough, I think that is some of the asset allocation or the, the cash I need to put to work, I think, in uh, 2023. Okay. I think, and that, uh, we, uh, we, maybe, I think we are on the edge of this moment, yeah. Okay. John, I know that you look at China uh, together with us from an economic perspective for a while. Uh, what do you think uh, on what just Alan just said? No, I, I very much agree. I mean, I, I do think that uh, one of the reasons that uh, the COVID zero policy was given up was that it really wasn't working. There, there were increasing infections. Um, and so I think the government had the choice of either becoming even more strict on the lockdowns, um, which I think even then that might not have worked, or just giving up. Um, but by giving up, of course, they've allowed a huge wave of COVID infections to come through. And the epidemiologists think that there'll be a very big wave December, January. We're already in the middle of it. And then probably a secondary wave sometime February, March time. After that, there, there is a decent chance that people come out again <laughs> and the service sector picks up. Mm. Um, it obviously is going to depend on you know whether people can quickly get over their fear of the COVID. Uh, and we know that, that many people in China don't have the same protection that we do in the West from, from better vaccines. 
So there's there's a bit of uncertainty about how quickly the economy will bounce back because mm -hmm. COVID has retreated, mm -hmm. um, you know, the way we see it in the West. The other big issue, of course, for China is the property sector, which um, was going through its own downturn, independent of, of COVID, as a result of government policy. But obviously, if, if people are not going out, they're not going to go and look at property or buy property. So that's a factor there as well. So we're going to have to see, I and mean, the property sector should improve as we go through the next year to two years, I think, because there's always a cycle. Um, but again, the timing of that's uncertain, I think, as well. But I agree with Alan that um, think there's a good reason for thinking that some of the reasons for being negative on China are going away. Um, and I would also point to the valuations in the stock market, which uh, are very low um, compared to China's own history and compared to other countries as well. Mm. So in that respect, um, that is, it looks attractive. I'll go back to the point about property and other sectors a bit uh, later. But uh, Jerry, I know that you look at uh, some of the, uh, the charts of the major indices in Chinese stock market. Uh, maybe you could just share some of the highlights, some of the main things you found. Yeah, James. Um, hi, Alan. And I think you know what John and you said is exactly right. We we had a big down market, and we've seen a little bit of a spark higher on the change in COVID policies. Maybe some support to the property sector, and that's come through in the charts very clearly with what happened from late November through December in terms of the rebound from very low levels. As John was saying, some of the valuations were very attractive and it seems that some investors got in at the right time. But for the vast majority of you know foreign investors, if you want, we have to probably distinguish between people who have remained in China assets through the down slump and now are hopefully enjoying the, the, the brief rally. And then the other people who basically look at China and say, okay, should I commit new assets to Chinese uh, shares? And that's going to be the market that's going to be, in my view, quite important to turn around. How do you get foreign investors to look at China with the different uh, eyeglasses? And one thing is, one exit from COVID from the zero COVID is right. And the charts have rebounded sharply because it seems like investors are saying, look, we know there's going to be a human cost, but if business can actually pick up and continue to produce, if people can go to work without fearing that they're going to be shut in a factory, right? Because somebody tested positive. If they can just go to work and get on with life, then things will over time improve. And that's mm. what markets do very efficiently. They look forward and they say, okay, are things picking up? And as James said, we've looked at, you know, the Hang Seng, we looked at the HSE, we looked at the Shenzhen, we looked at the CSI 300, we looked at the FT uh, 50, I'll, even the MSCI China uh, Emerging Market Index, which is like the big one that a lot of foreign funds are, are aiming to replicate or peg to or benchmarked against. They've all turned up and they're all looking at the same thing. Are we going to break above the 50 week moving average? Are we going to break back towards some recent highs? Are, are we going to regain some of the lost ground? Now, some of these indices were below at one stage, or even now, below the 2020 lows, which is amazing because that was a very big drop in the market. Mm. So in 2022, uh, usually like from August through November, a lot of these indices broke down below that low, which is a very negative sig signal. Breaking back above that low is quite important, and some mm. of them have already done that breaking back above some of the recovery levels and above the two the, the the 50 week moving average is going to do a lot to say this is not just a you know bear market rally this is actually a presumption of the uptrend mm -hmm. and that's a huge distinction because everybody can see dead cat bounces you and i have talked about this forever james where markets fall a lot they bounce a lot then they just go now nah, never mind and they go back to dropping mm -hmm. so the key thing here for foreign investors is has the move away from zero covid has a support to the property sector 
have these things changed so much that we can now confidently talk about a resumption of the uptrend? And I think we're on the cusp of that. Yeah. So uh, let me pick on the property sector thing because both Jerry and John, you mentioned about that. And I know that uh, we talked before, Alan, about the uh, investment exposure of many local and Hong Kong investors of Chinese properties. What's, has anything changed? Do you think the government will change policy? Is property sector going to be not so bad in coming years? Um, I think um, the property market in China uh, is not going to be the same as before because the, the damage has been made, okay? And all the, I think, the investor confident and also people who are, who are treating the property as their core asset in China. Also, I think I suffer quite uh, substantially. I think in the last couple of years, okay, and um, and be, what we call is that is the, the like the the property sector and the like the education sector and also the the, the technology sectors is all wet out or maybe uh, uh, impact. I think and uh, very I think um, negatively by the policy, okay, and that's why I think the uh, try to uh, people investors try to avoid uh, they being trapped by the policy risk in future, okay? And mm. now we are, we are uh, we're seeing, I think, that the, the policy change, I think, in terms of works and, that, and also, but we need to see the action, okay? Being, uh, is how it moves, I think, uh, along with the policy. Um, last year, I think, uh, because of the uh, so-called the um, US dollar bond, I think, issued by the Chinese property developer, also caused quite a, um, a significant, I think, uh, Laws, I think, to most of the so-called the uh, uh, billion investor in Hong Kong, there's mm. a joke. I think uh, among most of the uh, private banker customer, if you hasn't experienced any loss in the so-called the high yield bond or the property bond, you are not a billionaire. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I see. So they could join the, the the club of Elon Musk then. Yeah. So I think uh, going forward, I think uh, the uh, it needs. I think the times have to heal. I think to heal the 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 damage of the uh, uh by by the uh the done I think on the property I think um a market in China uh, it will be very very slow okay uh because I think uh the uh the leveraging I think uh, the leverage factor I think in the property sector uh from end to end from the home buyer to the uh, very uh high uh, origin of this I think is the property developer and involve quite a lot of those I think uh, even though the local governments and also uh, uh, some of the uh, 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 the semi government of the body also involved or, or engage heavily I think in, in that market before so I think it is still not a, uh, uh, the mess is not uh, cleaned up yet okay mm. for example I think many people worry about that because of so-called many uh, so-called wealth management port in China sold by the bank or sold by the insurance company or sold by the asset management onshore in china in fact i think behind that is a project it's a property project okay so how you clean up that and then uh, how uh, what is the um the uh, ultimate uh the the financial laws that uh, hit the market i think is still a question mark yeah okay interesting so moving to another sector shortly because you you actually just mentioned alan about technology and I always think that uh, before the incident of uh, listing of Ant by Alibaba, mm. before that, everyone were bullish on some of the Chinese tech companies. In fact, you talk about Chinese stocks, apart from property, it will be Tencent, Alibaba, all those. Do you mm. think that they, the, you mentioned about policy, which is interesting, but it seems that 
things are changing because I heard that uh, I read about news about video games being approved for Tencent. Mm. So have I think get better, getting better. Or in other words, when this recovery continue in China, will investors still benefit from picking or focusing on the tech sector in China? Yeah, we uh, in fact we did we do see some uh, sunlight I think uh, on this uh, sector, particularly today. Uh, other than I think the video games I think uh, or the mobile games I think approved uh, for attention I think uh, both in in China and also in the Asian market, uh, the N Group also I think got the green light from the Chongqing I think uh, government to allow them to re-enter into the capital market to show up their capital for uh, another I would say billions. Uh, okay, uh, I forgot the exact numbers. Okay, and that's why I think in, in March. But a change, I think, in 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 the in in that I think a, a direction of the policy, which is I think try to I think is uh, to uh, uh, improve I think the market sentiment or to to really I think is helping um, this I think tax stock I think to 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 shuffle out I think from the from the mud I think uh, that uh, uh, they they trapped I think in the last couple of years okay, and that's why uh, Alibaba's uh, stock I think um, uh, gone up maybe to nine percent just in a single day today. Single trading today, I think mm. that I think is is a is a is is a what they call a, a sign of a, di- a directional change. I think on on the tech stock, I think uh, policy, I think or the, how the central government want to really, I think um uh, uh resolve all these uh, issues uh, one by one. The first one is property sector, and the second one will be the technology sector. Yeah. How about the chip situation? You know that US is is restricting some chip uh technology there. Do you think actually that will affect China's recovery? Uh, for those, I think, like uh, some of the stocks I think, or some of the company like Huawei, they're not a listed company, okay? But for uh, Alibaba and Tencent or even Meituan, I think they all, I think, is, is why on the application of the technology, but not really heavily involved in the manufacturing or, or the, the the operation of that chip industry, okay? So I think they will be less, I think, um, uh, affected. Uh, and 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 even though I think that that uh, uh, Chinese want to uh, really I think uh, in restore I think the confidence I think of all the uh, uh, investor and also the people in China, but uh, the the relationship between U.S. and China, I think uh, the the tension is going to I think will not be eased I think uh, substantially in 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 this year or even in, maybe in in next year as well. So I think that will be a uh, one of the um, uncertainty. I think on the recovery of, of the technology stock, I think uh, along the world, yeah. Understood. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, what, John, uh, we discussed it briefly because we talked about the chip uh, situation as well. Uh, we just heard what Alan said about properties and digital or the technology sector in China. Now, I'm going back to one of the uh, the things we talked about, the supply chain issue, etc. John, what do you think? Because what it seems that last time, in 2008, China stimulates and it actually led the world out of the or earlier recover uh, from the global financial crisis. Do you think China can do this role with these cheap thing, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, the U.S. Uh, China situation, etc. Yeah, this brings us to another big change, doesn't it? Because as you say, back in 2009-10, China had a huge fiscal and monetary stimulus, which they eventually decided was too much. They realized they'd overdone it. Um, and so this time round, after COVID in 2020 and with the world economy weak over the last, over 2020-21, China didn't do very much stimulus, far less than, than other countries. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is something we haven't really talked about, which is the 
generally high level of debt already in the Chinese economy. So you've got quite a lot of government debt when you add in all the, all the different parts. You've had a high corporate debt for 10 years or more. And one of the things that developed in the 2010s was high consumer debt as well. So I think we've got to the point where China doesn't really have the capacity for a massive fiscal stimulus anymore. Uh, and that's made, made more difficult, of course, with the decline in the property sector, which means that uh, the, the local authorities, local governments were financing themselves through land sales. And that's obviously slowed right down now. Um, mm. So the scope for real fiscal stimulus uh, in the last couple of years, and indeed this year, uh, is, is very limited, I think. And the scope mm. for monetary stimulus is limited as well, because uh, the rest of the world, particularly the US, is, is tightening policy, raising rates. So that doesn't matter so much for this year, I think, because it, frankly, for this year, it's all about getting past COVID. Um, mm. if, uh, if the waves can go through such that come the spring, people feel safe to, to you know, go for, into service sector uh, activities, you know, go to restaurants, uh, travel, go to hotels, have all the services you normally have then I think China will bounce back significantly just because of that, because mm. uh, that's been held back, obviously, hugely at the moment. But for much of 2022, people were in various parts of the countries were not actually doing as much as they normally would. Mm. Um, so I think we get a recovery uh, later in 2023 just because of that. But I wouldn't expect to see any great fiscal stimulus because of this, this high level of debt. And I think the, the high debt also is kind of a drag on the economy. So I think once we get out of this sort of quick cycle related to COVID, we're looking at a slower pace of growth than we have been used to in the past. Um, I mm. would put it as low as three or 4% as the trend growth rate. Other people put it nearer five, um, but it's a lot lower than we used to see. Mm. It feels like that actually, uh, as China recovers, the pattern of recovery and how investor can take the opportunities will be very different from before COVID. I think that seems to be the case. We all, I think, both from what Alan and John said. Now, Alan is also, uh, I, I learned from him a lot about currencies as well. So obviously with Jerry there, who is also our currency guru there, what do you think? Do, do you think the Chinese currency is going to do anything interesting in 2023? Mm, maybe I go first. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the renminbi, I think in uh, 2022, I think uh, experienced quite a, a significant drop. I think in the mid of the years and then uh, cover back. We cover back, I think, uh, by the end of uh, 2022. And the magnitude of the of the of the uh, uh, depreciation of the renminbi is uh, likely, I think, about uh, uh, double digit. Okay. Uh, most of in most of the case uh, or the scenario we we witnessed before, I think. Um, the renminbi, I think, either is up or down. Is also, I think, is a uh, manipulated. I think uh, by the uh, so-called the uh, foreign exchange, I think, control uh, uh, bureaucracy. I think in China, okay. So there's a, a range trading, okay. Uh, it's up the downside and the upside is 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 uh, is uh, dictated or limited. I think uh, by by uh, by the central bank, okay. Uh, this year, I think I don't think the renminbi will move. I think uh, uh, quite uh, volatile. I think uh, in either direction, okay, because now is I think um is uh, we are in January, and then in uh, in uh, two months later in March, I mm -hmm. think that the uh, new uh, cabinet of the government will be uh in on seat, okay, and that will they will I think uh, implement all those I think uh, policy directed by the central government to show up I think the the economic I think activity in China, okay, and renminbi stability is one of the major concern 
if you want to tap in, I think most of the overseas investment in China, okay, the RMB had to be stabilized. I think mm. in, on, at a certain level, okay. So I think they will maintain that, and also I think because the monetary, I think policy now is quite uh, uh, relatively ease. I think compared to uh, U.S. and also in Europe, I think that central bank is tightening. Okay, and that also uh, uh, create or allow I think the uh, PPOC, I think to have a, um, a time of the to have room. I think to put the I think RMB um, in a relative I think stable scenario. Yeah. Okay, Jerry, any thoughts? I think Alan is a good currency strategist. <laughs> that was very, it's very hard to disagree. I, I think it's one of those things where, in general, we're looking for the dollar to give up some ground against the Aussie, the Kiwi, Euro. And these are all parts of, you know, what I was mentioning in terms of the currency controls or currency basket that the PBOC uses. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see maybe 5% sort of appreciation in uh, the RMB. Just one of those things. It, it's not going to be making headlines, in, in, which is probably exactly what they want. They want a nice, stable-ish currency. I don't think we're going to see a massive devaluation or any depreciation this year, as long as the dollar view is correct overall, which is the dollar is going to consolidate and or give up ground against major currencies this year as the Fed approaches uh, the, you know, for now and anyway, the, the peak of the rate cycle. Yeah, so the peak okay. peak monetary tightening, tightening. What would be interesting, though, and I don't, I'm not sure we can talk about this at the moment, but... So many Western headlines, James, have been about you know people trying to pick on the Hong Kong band, the Hong Kong dollar. And I always laugh my head off because if you're going to pick a fight, why on earth would you pick a fight with HKMA? There's so many other easy fights out there in the currency world. And so I'd be interested, Alan, what do you think? Should people be picking on the Hong Kong dollar on the peg or is that just a waste of time and money? Uh, I think uh, this year may not be a uh, any, I think, a window for you to speculate on the tokens of the of the uh, Hong Kong dollar pack system. I think uh, I think because the Hong Kong dollar pack system, I think it has been I think um, uh, operating for almost forty years. Okay, forty years. Okay, it's quite a long period of time. Okay, and most of the argument for the unpack, I think, is because I think that fundamentally the economy in Hong Kong is more tied up, I think, to the mainland China, not to the U.S. And also, it's not political correct if we say uh, we uh, have the ability to link a tie to a U.S. dollar, which is, I think, is a foreign currency. Uh, and, and also, it's uh, uh, under this, I think, a so-called tension between U.S. and China. But, but you imagine, Hong Kong has always been a window of what, or, or what we call a foreign exchange window for China. I think uh, uh, back to the, I think, uh, old days when, when, when the, uh, 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 our country, I think, I think, uh, uh, when the Communist Party, uh, I think, uh, took over China, I think, in uh, 1960. Okay, so now, if we have to abandon this system, because just because we want to political correct tie to the RMB, and also uh, we 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 want to uh, uh, gain control of our own currency, I think this is not a very strong argument. Okay, mm. in fact, I would say one of the function for Hong Kong is because we are still uh, like the Hong Kong stock market. We are a capital market located, uh, in some sense, it's outside China, and which can become um, it's a beach or window for both sides. Okay, I think that I think is more important or critical uh, okay. for, for for us to think about the pack system. And then uh, President Xi has been, I think, uh, visit Hong Kong last year when the as we celebrate China, uh, when we celebrate uh, Hong Kong return to, to to China. I think for 25 years. Okay. They make one comment, say, even don't 
have to, I think, uh, uh, grave for the uh, one country, two system. I think, and and that is some value that uh, this uh, this so-called the one country, uh, two two system has been, I think, uh, provided, I think, to both Hong Kong and, and China. And and the, the statement behind that is don't even about change anything. <laughs> if this is very critical and, and have the true value, I mm. think we have to bear it back, yeah. Okay. I, I think those are great points. Sorry, James. Another question for Alan would be: the American press has really jumped on the fact that the new Chinese foreign minister is, a, you know, ambassador to the U.S. And I think he's he's been ambassador in the U.K. a couple of times. And it's one of those things where his conciliatory comments, if you take it that way, where he says, you know, ties with America are very important. This and the other, is that a signal of a you know some sort of sea change, or is that just saying nice words because he's got the job? Well, I think we have to, we will, I think, uh, in a uh, strategy thinking is uh, at the polit political uh, politics and economics always, I think, coexist and they interact yes. with each other closely. Okay. So I think for now, if we see the certain U term of the COVID policy in China, and then we see, we we, uh, we saw Chinese government want to, I think, ratify all the, I think, so called the policy risks they, they uh, impose, I think, to the markets, I think, in the last couple of years. Okay. How about the diplomats? Okay, they may want to, I think, even to improve the relationship. I think with the uh, with US or with uh, their all uh, counterparts. I think uh, around the world to make our life or to make the recovery more easier. Okay, mm. I think that I think is also one of the uh, I would say a positive uh, I think um, signals. I think for investors to be consider. Okay, if this if the, in two thousand twenty three, if you have the execution have to do. Uh, either the cash, the equity, the fixed income, or even alternate investment. Okay, so the variation I think uh, pay, I think uh, the the Asia and and Hansen index is definitely one of the area you should I think uh, think about that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, last question for Alan, light-hearted one. We are actually going Chinese New Year in two weeks time, something mm. like that. Yeah. yeah. So what's your outlook for the year of the rabbit? Are we going to jump out from the rabbit hole? Is presidency going to pull more rabbits out from his magic hat? Uh, I would say he worked very hard. I think <laughs> try to I think uh, make some uh, change. I think or or even on the positive side uh, to 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 uh, uh, overall okay. Uh, but this year I think um, since we are all we are uh, approaching the I would say the uh, final phase of the uh, U.S. tightening monetary policy. And also, we are facing an uncertainty in so-called recession. But the question is, um, how serious is that recession in, and also how long it takes? Okay, uh, or, or for us, I think it's all a question mark. But the market has been talking about this, I think, for uh, over six months. Okay, so psychologically and also uh, uh, practically, we have some preparation for that, but uh, it, but not uh, fully priced in. Okay, so I would say we have a window here. I think in the first half of 2023. Um, that uh, we uh, um, here in Hong Kong, I would say the opportunity definitely will be on the variation on the Asia India and Asia, uh, and, and the, it's hard, very difficult to predict the whole year. I would say, uh, for me, I'm confident that the first quarter this year, this year, I think we may some uh, we may uh, see some I think um, a great return relatively uh, uh, here uh, okay. against the US. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, for Alan, for your time. I think it's been very insightful. And uh, I think it's one of the, the phrase you said, which now I remember is 
politics and economics are basically entangled, very related to each other. I think that's actually very true for China. We need to look at the policy risk. There's still uncertainty on the COVID side, etc. But it seems that we are coming to an interesting point, uh, a point that things may turn around. And maybe even for our non-Hong Kong, non-China investor, they should start thinking about that either because of the economic impact to their other investment or other markets, but more importantly, as an opportunity to participate in some interesting uh, uh, investments over in China. Thank you very much for your time, Alan. I hope we could have you another time. Maybe in six months, I will reveal what we have talked about. And uh, thank you, John, and thank you, Jerry, for joining us. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening to our podcast.